It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. All right, it's our Wednesday Upfront program. Today, uh, Mayor Lisa Boldelli Hunt is expected to uh, join us. I think it's going to be by telephone when it happens, uh, right, sir? Uh, yeah, approximately 8.15 or so. All right, uh, so uh, we'll um, await the arrival of the mayor. We have other things to talk about, however, in the meantime. So welcome to our Upfront program. Tomorrow morning, Chris Boulay, and on Friday morning, we have Bob Martin, and then a paid segment from John Breen, and then we have a little open line conversation. And Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee will be joining us on Tuesday, so we'll uh, chat with him. He's got a small business initiative that he's trying to get um, introduced and, and have some help for small business. He sent a letter to the governor. She didn't answer him. That's not very polite. And he'll um, talk a little bit about that and other things he's trying to do as Lieutenant Governor getting very little cooperation from the sitting governor. That'll be Tuesday's program. Jeff, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, good morning to you. And a pleasant good morning to you and the Blackstone Valley. Well, there's so many different coronavirus uh, stories uh, that are affected today, but one affecting tomorrow is taking a look at the theory of how long it'll take Rhode Island to recover from coronavirus. Now, the interesting thing is, of course, we are not in, uh, done with it yet, so uh, a resurgence uh, could certainly uh, throw a wrinkle into any current plans anybody uh, does have on this uh, recovery from coronavirus. Expecting a resurgence in the fall. Many uh, spots in the country are already dealing with it. And our numbers in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, at least on coronavirus cases, are continuing to climb. The uh, average age now of a coronavirus case in Rhode Island, now these are not fatalities, but coronavirus cases is on the younger scale now, into the 30s. At 38, the average age of a coronavirus case here in Rhode Island. Um, also, the expectations here, as it states, uh, it could be a three- to five-year recovery economically for the state of Rhode Island as they um, make their way out of the uh, coronavirus so we got a long road ahead of us, and we only hope is that the hole doesn't get deeper uh, with any potential resurgence or any further shutdowns that may reoccur here in the ocean state. That's the, uh, the numbers there. But over 100 new cases for the first time in a little while here in Rhode Island. So uh, a lot of ears will be wondering what the governor says today at 1 o'clock, and I Believe it or not, I've received calls on uh, Monday. For, I used to get calls on Tuesday and Thursday. Now I got calls on Monday looking for the governor here on WNRIs. It's been part of our programming for the most part. We will have it today at 1 o'clock uh, during the John DePietro program. So there's something to look forward to this afternoon. What will Governor Giramundo have to say on some of this new data? It is Woonsocket's um, probably busiest accident intersection. As a matter of fact, uh, Deputy Chief Lemoyne of the Woonsocket Police Department says um, Diamond Hill Road um, is where uh, a lot of accidents um, happen. But um, the decorative brick owned by Walnut Hill Apartments on Diamond Hill Road at Walnut Hill Road, where it intersects, um, is one of the most dangerous in the city. 
Lauren Clem of the Valley Breeze did an interesting story on it a couple of weeks ago on June 24th. Uh, friends of a crash victim say that change is needed at the intersection. You may remember we reported here on WNRI about a motorcycle accident there in which a man died. And um, John Blaine, uh, quote in that news story called the giant teddy bear, lost his life at that intersection. And uh, the story was an interesting one written by Lauren. She did a nice job on it. However, Council President Dan Gendron got on the agenda Monday night at the city council meeting, and he, too, wants to talk about that intersection. He sees it every day, and something's got to be done. Maybe it's a traffic signal. Maybe it's, maybe it's removing a wall. I don't know. There, there was a horrendous, very sad accident that took place at the corner of Diamond Hill and Walnut Hill uh, a couple weeks back. And since then, there's been um, a lot of acknowledgement of the, the unsafe nature of that intersection, primarily because of two brick walls that have been there for years. And I, I simply wanted to put this on the agenda to bring it to the forefront. I, I travel that road every day. And I experience the difficulty of the line of sight from that intersection when you're pulling out of Walnut Hill or even if you're turning in from Diamond Hill, um, the difficulty to see around that brick wall is um, very, very dangerous. And so I would ask, and I know I'm sure that the public safety division is already aware of this. Um, and I just wanted to encourage them and let the public safety division know that this city council, if if necessary, we're available to um, do whatever you bring back to us. Because I, I can tell you without any doubt, if anyone with a anything smaller than a uh, a large truck tries to pull out of those intersect that intersection onto Diamond Hill Road you sometimes are taking your life in your own hands. And I would hope that in their review of that intersection, um, that they too will see the dangerous nature of those two brick walls and come back to us with some type of suggestion that uh, some portion of that wall should be brought back to make for safer travel uh, so that we'll never have to have this discussion again about a a fatality that took place um, because people can't see when they're pulling out or pulling into um, out of Walnut Hill or into Walnut Hill. So that's all I wanted to say. And I don't know if anyone from public safety is even on on with us tonight. Oh, Gino, I see Director Gillette is on. So, Director, um, I I know that there's already been some action taken by your division, but I I hope that um, you understand that this council stands with you. And and if you have an update, that would be great. If not... Um, I wouldn't put you on the spot. Um, I just would hope that you can come back to us with something if you're not prepared tonight. Uh, Council President, yeah, I'm, I'm just in a vehicle driving, so um, so if I lose you, then that's, the, that's the reason. But there was a uh, meeting with the Department of uh, Transportation last Tuesday. Um, there's a full-course uh, study, going, comprehensive study going into place there. Um, they have a lot of... Uh, Ideas. Um, everybody shared some ideas. We had our chief there, uh, captain from the uh, our traffic division, and uh, people from uh, uh, 
Department of Transportation. So that, that should be ready. Um, I'm not sure the date, but we'll keep you updated on that. Thank you. And there it is, uh, the Woonsocket uh, Police Department um, contacting the Department of Transportation. And they're going to try to uh, fix that up and uh, make that a less dangerous intersection, Diamond Hill Road and Walnut Hill Road. We'll have the mayor in a moment. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, 24 550 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800 and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors or Keyway, Woonsocket. Was in there yesterday and had a nice uh, conversation with Mike, the manager, over at Champs Liquors or Keyway. And I said, uh, any um, anything I should uh, be aware of? He said, we have a nice sangria, uh, excuse me, uh, a nice uh, Chianti from Italy. And if uh, you enjoy Chianti, you'll enjoy this uh, imported um, Italian Chianti. It's uh, twelve ninety five a bottle, and it is really excellent. Uh, and a lot of customers are coming in. If you love Chianti, you'll enjoy the Chianti now available at Champs Liquors or Keyway. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766 8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Are you thinking about opening a business or expanding your existing business? Do you need a building to rent or purchase? Call one of the best commercial realtors around who has helped over 30 businesses start up or grow in our community. Contact Garrett Menseri at Gateway Realty who can help you find that place that works for you. His phone number is 401-651-1519 and start your search today. There's plenty of office, retail, manufacturing, industrial or vacant land properties out there on the market. And Garrett Manseri can find it for you. His phone number again is 401-651-1519. So give him a call today. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we're back to the Upfront program on this um Wednesday morning, and yes, we're going to chat with the mayor. On our live line is Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt. Jeff Gamash is on line two with you, Mayor, and we're ready to uh, begin by asking you, did you get all your signatures to qualify you to be on the ballot? Well, good morning, Roger. Good morning, Jeff, and good morning to everyone. Um, I believe I did. Today is the day uh, that they will be certifying all the signatures that uh, were submitted from all the candidates across all positions. 
All right, so you're set to go then, right? I am set to go. Okay, fine. We'll see you on the ballot in November. A lot of things uh, to uh, talk about, but we'll give you an opportunity to uh, make a, any kind of opening statement because um, we've got a lot on the calendar to uh, chat about today. Okay. Well, I just want to um, say good morning to everyone. I hope everyone is doing well as we've moved into the month of July and um, still battling with the coronavirus and all the ancillary problems that come along with that. And I am just truly hopeful that everyone in the community uh, is doing as well as they can and also that if there is anything anyone needs, always feel free to call my office at 767-9205. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, Roger. All I, right. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to fall short on time. How's okay. That? The first thing is uh, we're just going to take a couple of newspaper headlines because people are reading about it today in the call. So um, we thought we'd take those two local stories developed by Russ Alibo. Number one, uh, obviously uh, there's a political campaign uh, ready to get underway if it already hasn't started. I guess and you up on that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has started, right? Uh, anyway, what about city hall hours? Do you feel that um, you have a good timetable for opening city hall hours, or, or as Mr. Brian has charged, that you should have uh, opened it up sooner? Well, like you indicated, Roger, it's political season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so let's just uh, let's just put a few facts on the table. How's that? Um, so during the COVID uh, nineteen crisis that started in March. Uh, there's been a lot of time and energy spent, which is what is expected of municipal leaders across the state. And uh, included in that leadership is our public safety officials. Chief Paul Shatra, our fire chief, uh, he is pretty much the point person. Uh, he is the person that's leading the charge on a lot of uh, the uh, information uh, we, we all work together along with the director of public safety, the, the police chief, and a lot of other members of the public safety team. And in conjunction with that is uh, how do we keep our community safe and how do we keep our employees safe and how do we keep the wheels of government moving and allowing uh, our city to continue to operate. And I would like to congratulate all the city employees uh, who have continued to come to work during this time and have addressed, from my understanding, because we do check with departments, they have addressed every need or concern of anyone who would have ordinarily walked into City Hall. So that was ex extremely important. And it was important to keep the employees of the city safe and the residents of the city safe and th this is what we've done and uh, I would say instead of criticism it should be congratulations to everyone and we are now at a point where as you can see things are easing up and the fire chief has been monitoring different departments the amount of foot traffic that could potentially be coming in and the amount of services that are needed and it was decided collectively that the Treasury Division uh, was the division that should open first. Now, contrary to um, what uh, John Brian may think, um, that doesn't happen overnight. 
It takes time. Um, you need to put uh, you need to put plexiglass in place to protect the customer and the employee. You need to have the proper uh, tools for them to stay clean and safe. They're dealing with a lot of cash and checks and transfer of paper products, which you know is an issue with COVID. And also with that comes the things such as signage, The uh, just a lot falls into play. I don't think it's fair to minimize the amount of work that the chief had to do to get to this point. And um, I mean, I get it. John's been in his bunker since March. We haven't heard a word from him. Uh, suddenly it's an election and now you know, City Hall belongs to the people. We all know that. We don't need that news break. We all know that City Hall belongs to the people. But when the responsibility of the health and well-being falls on the shoulders of an administration, you make certain that you do the very best that you can to protect people. And we do have employees who are of the age or of the health that it's imperative that everything is in place before we open. So that's where we are. And um, again, you know, rattling off names of cities and towns that are open. Um, what he fails to do, and probably doesn't know because he, he really hasn't been engaged and, and even lending a hand in any way, is that the four communities that have been the focus of the state, the Department of Health and the governor, is Pawtucket Province, Central Falls, and Woonsocket. And we have extended conversations with those agencies and, and departments uh, because of the fact that those four communities are concerning to the Department of Health. And there's been an uptick in what's being offered uh, within those communities to try to find out how many people are positive, try to reel that in because it's just spreading among families within living quarters, etc. But I do want to say this, and I'll end with this. Again, our police department, our fire department, our highway department, and every our water department, every department, <clears throat> excuse me, and all of them in City Hall have been coming to work every single day. And Providence was brought up. Let me tell you something about Providence. The last day that Providence worked was March 13th. They didn't go back to work in City Hall until June 22nd. So we have been here since March. The only time we weren't here was for a few days when we did, you know, deep, uh, deep cleaning, and then we got a system in place for continuous cleaning and disinfecting. Our employees have been here working diligently. So. You know, congratulations to them, and I'm sorry if anyone is offended by the comments that sort of imply like they can't get the job done because they're getting the job done. And there is screening in place, and yes, that Treasury Department is open today, and the screening that's taking place, you know as well as I do, it's still not foolproof. Yes, the temperatures are taken, which is a good indicator if something's wrong, sanitation, tracking, you know, taking the names of people coming in in case there's an outbreak. But that doesn't mean that someone isn't COVID positive because people can be asymptomatic. So we are not going to um, suddenly move in a different direction because, you know, John Brian rears his head. I mean, John Brian closed his law firm 
So if his law firm cannot even be open, then he, he should really step back from this. Okay. Uh, two questions, if I may, Mayor. Well, one is just really looking for a comment because no matter what it is, City Hall, a business, a gym, a church, the public is looking for timelines. When can I go? When can I go? It's almost like the kid. When are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Uh, but we've heard many executive uh, branches of government from states to municipalities talk about conditions versus time. And it's an ever-flowing one. So when you're weighing that process of conditions versus giving a time as an executive, do you have any comment on that? Well, we, we, you know, we're tracking the numbers. And, you know, our goal is there's a lot that's in place, like you say. It's, it's timing, it's cases, it's outbreaks, it's surges, and it's important uh, for us to open City Hall. Yes, it is. Um, but we're going to do it on a timeline that our public safety officials are comfortable with. They're working on what the next department will be, and hopefully that will take place next week. And um, that's something that is a, a conversation we're having on a daily basis. Uh, the fire chief was here three times yesterday inspecting things and, and making certain um, that everything was in place for the employees today and for the customers coming in and the distancing that has to take place. So, yes, there's a lot, Jeff, that comes into play, which is, uh, in addition, the, the, the data and uh, what's happening in our own community. Now, yesterday on the Upfront program, you mentioned about work being done in City Hall. Uh, there was conversation about work being done outside of City Hall with a department. I'm trying to recall, Roger, was it the Board of Canvases mentioned to be working out of the depot, yes. uh, the train depot in Depot Square? Uh, any, can you tell us anything about that uh, that uh, arrangement? Is it happening? Uh, is it a, is it a rental fee for the city to use space inside the depot, and uh, and how that came to be? So what happened was with City Hall being closed and the board of canvases uh, wanting to meet, um, you know, quite frankly, there's been no bodies that have been meeting here uh, across the state. People have been you know having Zoom meetings and virtual meetings, and it's the same thing here, uh, but. Uh, they wanted to. They don't have to meet in City Hall. Um, there's one board member in particular who has been um, uh, pushing to meet within City Hall. We confirmed that it did not. They're they're, a, they're a, basically a quasi. Um, they're 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 an entity that is controlled by within those employees, and it was suggested. And I'm not sure who suggested, uh, but the suggestion was, well, maybe they could go across the street to the depot. And they did that. But keep in mind, they can go wherever they want to go. They don't have to go to the depot. And I know that was brought up yesterday, too. But, of course, there's always pieces missing when you hear uh, commentary uh, from certain people. Again, they're not forced to go there. They don't have to go there. They could have gone there once and then chosen another location. Um, but the fact that they're, they're still going there is their choice. That's a choice of the board. And we are now working on a location that we are, we are trying to determine a location that planning board, zoning board, um, city council, board of canvases um, can be the designated location for meetings. Because I did speak with someone on one of the boards and they indicated if 
we could meet as a board, but just have the board members present, still do it virtually, but be able to be with each other as a board or a committee um, and exchange of, of, you know, documents or things such as that, that would be helpful. I totally agree with him. And, you know, that's what the chief is looking at. In fact, I think actually the um, one of the chiefs actually went to go tour uh, of the location. So that's what we're looking at right now. And uh, that's what we'll be doing. But nobody is obligated to use that. Uh, location that was a suggestion like a month or two ago. When you say quasi, is it that the border campus is kind of like they're autonomous? They they operate under their own rule. Yeah, so you you shouldn't have involvement from city councilors. You shouldn't have involvement from the mayor. You know, other than you know, by nature, I'm just a very helpful person. So when they lost their manager of at the border canvases, you know, my role as the mayor. Uh, they're in this building. They're in a city building. Um, do you need help? Is there something we can do? Um, is Do you need a temporary person? How can we help you? Um, fortunately, we have a very, very talented uh, woman who works within City Hall who uh, is very uh, talented with border canvas duties, and she was a godsend. So she and the other employee in the border canvases, again, Kudos to them. They did an outstanding job. They got the job done, and they did not need any interference by anyone. They, they really were phenomenal. They have a little bit of breathing room ahead, Mayor, as a no primary to be held for when socket voters. Um, and so they have a little more time to figure out how to uh, produce the uh, elections uh, come November. Uh, a little bit of breathing room for the city on that one. Well, I'm not convinced that there won't be a primary. I I think that um, that'll be that'll be determined after today, and after Mr. Narducci has a conversation with the state. Um, I I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that the the district committees have enough people who declared who may have at, we'll learn today may have enough signatures that may actually force a primary. Oh, wow. But I'm not, I'm not sure on that. That's I a $20,000 that question. That's about right for an election, right? Twenty grand. It's, it's more than we'd like to spend. Oh. <laughs> um, and, but, but then again, if it's district committee uh, voting, maybe potentially they could open one precinct in each district instead of opening all of them. Well, there's something for us to keep an eye on, Roger. Yes, you could have given us our scoop of the day, Mayor. There it is. Okay, thank you. CDBG funds. There was a time when uh, Mayor when Mayor Menard was in place. Uh, it was almost like those those funds belonged to her. Oh, here comes the CDBG money. Uh, we have a committee. They make a recommendation. Uh, I look at the recommendation, then I do whatever the hell I want, and here's the way I'm going to spend the money. Tell us about CDBG funds in the year 2020. How much do you play a role in it? How much does the city council play a role in it? And it's a lot less money than it used to be, right? Yes, so um, Mayor Minard, uh, to a degree of what you said, is right. She is right. Uh, those funds fall under the purview of the department, the planning department, the mayor, um, the vision for the city. I know the council has kind of dipped their toe in that, and but federal law... Uh, separates 
them from that function. And we'd always love to have more CDBG funds uh, than we have because we can do more things. Uh, but quite frankly, uh, we, we take what we can get and we utilize it in a fashion that we can spread that dollar as far as we can. But to go back to what you said, do what you want with it. No, there are different categories where certain funds have to be used in certain areas. So there's a, a certain pot of money that we receive that must be used for uh, potentially, you know, housing or, you know, rental assistance and things like that. But that category is very defined and the number that has to be put in place, which is for places like Community Care Alliance and, and um, you know, shelter and things like that, that number is told to us by, um, by HUD, by the government, and that's where that pot of money goes. The rest of it is spread out. There's a community development uh, board that meets and they put together uh, by what the, the, the needs or hopes for the city would be to move forward, uh, certain money in certain categories and line items. And um, there's always the ability to move money uh, as long as you do it properly. So, um, but the, the council cannot vote on spending that money in a certain way, no. Well, I got a, a different impression of it. I'm glad I asked you that question. I guess that's why we do these interviews, right? That's right. Uh, the mayor is on board with us this morning, and we are talking about uh, all kinds of uh, different topics. Uh, do you have a question, Jeff, or um, should I move on here? Well, we can move on to another category. I don't have anything on uh, CD, C CDBG. <laughs> I had it for a second. <laughs> uh, this, um, I wanted to ask you about the, um, the committee of 13 that was appointed um, to review the city charter and other uh, and other laws uh, that have been passed uh, here in the city of Woonsocket. Did you play a role at all in helping uh, draw members uh, from uh, that committee uh, that was announced at the council meeting, or is this something separate from the mayor's office? So you, the very beginning of what you asked broke off. Okay. I'm talking about the 13 members that were identified at the Woonsocket City Council for the special committee uh, that is going to review the city charter and other laws in the city of Woonsocket. Did you play a role in helping to uh, name some members of that committee, or is this a city council function? Uh, no, the, well, the city council passed the legislation. There was a period of time where people could submit their names. The council met. Uh, they put forward the 13 names that they felt were, uh, you, you know, in line with what they were looking for to move the, the process forward. Uh, they forwarded those names to me. I indicated to them I did not have any issue with any of those names, and they moved forward. So, so, you... so no, none of those names were submitted by me. Okay, that was a council function, and I will uh, let, uh, let that one pass because... Uh... It's out of uh, our domain here. It's out of the domain, but a curiosity, and it was talked a little bit about yesterday, Mayor, is the call for the uh, committee. Certainly a committee just providing oversight to ensure equality is very uh, controversy-free to form a committee like that. It never harms to have that type of overwatch in a community. But the, uh, the notion that uh, racist policies exist and need to be changed is floated, but it's floated very vaguely. 
and I've yet to hear any specific from anybody on a policy. Is there anything that's ever been brought to your attention? Hey, you know, this here, this here, this item could have a racist undertone to it. It needs to be changed. Has anything like that ever been been addressed with you? It, it hasn't. People have spoken of the subject in general, but as the mayor of the city, it's important to me and it's important to the, the directors, the chief, for us to understand that if there is something, I want to know about that because it may be something that, you know, just like at your house, sometimes something's right under your nose and you don't see it. And it's important for us to know that if there are policies that are in place that are biased or racist or uh, offensive, then I definitely want to know that. So I'm hopeful that, you know, this committee, um, when, once, you know, I'm looking forward to the information that they'll be gathering uh, so it can be, listen, we have a lot of laws on, on our books that go back decades. Right? Go back to 1888. So there may be something in place that we're just not, we're not aware of. So it would, it, it would, it will be good to know. City Council. We would need to take corrective action. City Council meets on Monday night and approves the uh, tax stabilization program for Resh. And um, so was that a, a, a program that uh, needed some tweaking or? Was it pretty much uh, that 10-year agreement? That seems to be pretty standard from the tax stabilization agreements that I've seen before. Um, was that a complicated process? Well, in general, tax stabilization agreements are not complicated. And uh, this particular one uh, is very important to the community. And uh, thank you to the council, to the councilors uh, for supporting it. Uh, but it is something that uh, maybe took a little bit longer than expected, but ultimately in the end, uh, there was a product that was palatable to everyone, and it passed. So I'm grateful to uh, Mr. Langley, who, as you know, is a resident of the city. Um, It took, uh, you know, we had a lot of conversations and, uh, you know, a lot of finger crossing on my part that when Socket ended up being the, the, the location that he chose. And, you know, we convinced him that uh, when Socket is a great place, and he understands that, he's a resident here. Uh, but he's a businessman also. And, and when you're in business, it comes down to numbers, and it needed to work. And I cannot think of a time uh, that the city of Winsocket would be in a conversation discussing the building of the new construction of a 55 to 65,000 square foot manufacturing plant. Uh, I I don't know when the last time this happened, uh, you know, was, but certainly it's a testament to the changes that have taken place over the last several years and the work that this administration has done. Uh, And um, so thank you to the council for supporting that. And thank you to Councilman Knoyer and Councilman Gendron uh, who were very active with me in conversation uh, pertaining to to Resh. And, um, you know, our dialogue, we didn't always agree, but the point is that there was communication, and that communication is important, and I thank them for that. On the agenda 
of the council meeting last Monday, there was a couple of veto items uh, with the override uh, taking place at the meeting. I don't know if you wanted to share your view on your veto. Well, when I veto something, there's a reason for it, and it's because it's something that I feel should be vetoed. Um, I think it's no secret we've had a 5 to 2, 5 to 2, 5 to 2 for going on two years um, during this term to override my vetoes. Uh, but I stand firm that I believe that the road, and you can, you know, wordsmith however you want and play around with the words uh, regarding that road uh, being built at Highland Corporate. It was a wonderful idea by N. David Boulay, and it's still a wonderful idea today. And I don't think, and I, and I know people say, oh, it doesn't mean it can't happen, but it sends a very poor message to people who are looking to expand their building uh, in Highland Corporate or looking to uh, potentially there's some, some lots that are up there that can be developed. Uh, and I just think it sends a poor message that we have this in place and we're either putting it on pause or saying it can come back at a later date. So we have a difference of opinion on that. And I also feel as though that the, the people within Highland Corporate Park are looking for a second egress. The owners of the, the, the companies, the employees that work there, many of them from the city of Woonsocket, you need to make this as business friendly as possible. Over the years, as the park got developed and more and more people uh, you know, came to work each day, thousands of people, there was an issue with car stacking, uh, in particular the egress going out. Um, under this administration and with the guidance of um, Director D'Agostino and incorporating public safety due to fire apparatus, uh, we were able to amend the road uh, to create a second lane of egress in a portion of the exiting of Highland Corporate Park. But there is a need for another road. And yes, maybe, you know, it happened several years ago that this was put in place. Things don't happen overnight. Route 99 was built because of the work that was done by N. David Boulay and my uncle, who was the mayor at the time. And they were the ones who pushed for that, and it got done. It didn't happen overnight. It doesn't mean you, you stop working on something. So, you know, no, no different than every time I'm on your program, Roger, you ask me about Henry, and things take time. And, you know, this road is important, and I, and I do disagree with the five counselors on that particular veto. All right, now I'm going to go to economic development, uh, one uh, that you uh, suggested to Larry Poitras and one that is moving along. I'm looking at um, a notice of a public hearing back on June 2nd of this year. The planning board looking at um, 1099 Social Street, demolishing a uh, multifamily home there and building two single-tenant uh, single-story retail buildings. This is a project that I have taken a uh, and interesting, simply because I see that ugly lot every morning. I'm wondering if you've seen any renditions of what that's going to look like in the final end, and uh, are you um, happy with how that's developing? June 2nd was the planning board. Now I believe it's before zoning, right? Uh, it was before zoning on Monday, mm -hmm. and uh, everything went beautifully at the zoning board, so they're all set with the zoning board. Uh, they do have a final approval by 
uh, the planning board, which I believe is going to be done administratively uh, within with the city planner. And yes, I have seen um, plans. The plans have been tweaked along the way as far as the placement of the buildings and placement of signage and things such as that. So we are getting to the end of all the necessary approvals that, uh, again, things take time, right? Boards need to be included, zoning, planning. Um, there's architects, engineers, owners, sellers, buyers. So we're at a great point. The zoning board, thank you to the zoning board from Monday night. Um, they did a fine job. Uh, and now some administrative work by the planning board. But yes, uh, I did see the renderings. We, um, they did change them a little bit along the way. We wanna, I always, I always tell folks when they come in, you're coming into an urban community but pretend you're coming into a suburban community. <laughs> so when you're, when you're working on your signage, when you're working on your landscaping, you know, when you come here just because we're an urban community, because we're a city, do not scale down on, you know, the beauty of the landscaping or things such as that. And um, so, Roger, I can tell by your questions that this is, like, the project that rises to the top for you, like you indicated. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so you will be, you should be seeing some activity there uh, in the not too distant future, uh, as soon as the planning uh, department is done with their administrative work. And part B on economic development, uh, Woonsocket Plaza or Diamond Hill Plaza, the former buffet space. Any further developments since you spoke to Larry last week? Yes. So we have, uh, we had a virtual meeting with them regarding some signage uh, that they are placing on the building. And they are coming to the point uh, where they will be uh, looking to get moving as far as uh, the interior work. Uh, but I'll jump back to that in a second because um, I'm not really sure what time it is right now. But um, I do want to mention something that's actually further along, which is the CSL Plasma. And the last time we talked about that's at Walnut Hill Plaza. That is to the left of Aero Trampoline, Planet Fitness, the post office, and that's the Plasma Center. Uh, I believe yesterday they may have gotten all the final sign-offs from our inspection department, and potentially today they will be getting their certificate, certificate of occupancy. I may have mentioned that uh, CSL Plasma on Larry's show also. You and did. I'm looking at his yes, notes. Yes. So that's if, if my memory serves me right, that's approximately 13,000 square foot unit at that plaza. They invested, um, the last time I looked, it was a little over $1 million into the renovation and uh, preparing for the opening of that location. Now back to the other development. Um, now back development. to the other location. What is that going to be, incidentally? I am, I am moving about because I'm looking for a document. <laughs> okay. We'll give you that latitude. Thank you for that. Uh, I can see. always take a commercial. Can you take a commercial? I'd rather have it in front of me. Okay. Back in a moment. Thank you, Mayor. She's on our line. We'll be back to her in a few seconds. Right now, we're going to check in with, uh, let me see. Oh, yes. Um, we're going to check in with the, with the Roast House.
The Roast House is open seven days a week, and our hours are 11.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're featuring outside dining and inside dining, and of course, takeout. To make a reservation to dine or to place an order at the Roast House, call 508-883-7700. And check our menu on the internet for theroasthouse.com. Thank you for your support during this period of transition. The Roast House, Farm Street, Blackstone. We welcome back old and new customers for inside and outside dining. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. This is a nice uh, condo at 685 Social Street, Unit 101 at 149.9. It's a simple condo in a beautiful setting. I drove in there the other day. I was showing it to my wife. I wanted to show her condos around the city. Not that we're buying a condo. Please, no rumors. But I just wanted to show her different <laughs> different uh, buildings and, and developments. And what a, for first of all, beautifully landscaped on the outside. Lots of parking. It's the old Bancroft um, tennis racket place. Uh, that's what I remember it as uh, here in Woonsocket. Turned into condos. So for one forty nine nine, you're going to get a lot of uh, property here. Reasonable property taxes at twenty one thirty six, And um, Scott McGee would uh, love to show it to you. This condo is called Gateway Commons, and it has those 15 feet high ceilings because this was before it was Bancroft Rack. It used to be a uh, textile mill, and they always had those high ceilings, large windows. The original windows that the mill workers used to work, uh, look out of to uh, see what was going on in their 12-hour days. Well, then it's now you can you can just look out of out of it at leisure. Original brick wall, stainless steel appliances. Scott McGee at 639-2906 would love to talk to you about this property. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, back to the mayor on our live line and uh, see if she's found her uh, documents about uh, Woonsocket Plaza, Diamond Hill Plaza, and what might move into that former buffet space. Go ahead, Mayor. Yes, so... It is called, which I, I knew what it was called. I was just trying to find the amount of square footage. So it is called Oak Street Health. It's called Oak Street Health. And they are, um, they're at the point of uh, uh, applying for their permits. And we had a meeting with them, a virtual meeting with them. It might have been the end of last week or the end of last week uh, pertaining to their signage. So it's called Oak Street Health. It, uh, this is the first one in Woonsocket, not the first one in the state, uh, but the, certainly the first one in Woonsocket, as we know. So it is it's primarily for older adults, and it provides care for adults. What they do is they pride themselves on the fact that they transport uh, individuals to the facility so people don't have to worry about driving there. You can certainly drive there if you want to. Um, they provide, they have, you know, nurses, doctors. I find it to be almost like a combination of a hospital, a doctor's office, and a walk-in emergency um, uh, clinic. Um, oh, geez. So we're not going to put it in the category of a pace on Social Street. It's no, some, no, no, sounds, no. So sounds it provide, different. It provides personal care, and it also, 
you know, provides transportation. Sometimes they can give you same-day scheduling. Uh, they help with your Medicare. Um, they provide nutritional information, um, exercise, things such as that. They're based in, um, they're headquartered in Chicago, and um, they found that with the significant amount of older adults, which at least is you, Roger, and me, maybe not you, Jeff, but Thank you'll you, get Thank you, Mayor. He's right? getting there. You'll get there, but you're not there yet. Uh, they're finding that sometimes people need an appointment faster than they can get it. They're having a hard time finding a primary care physician um, or driving uh, to an appointment is an issue. So they do scheduling uh, and they do pickup. So it is called Oak Street Health. All right. Well, I just looked at their um, Quaker Lane site in Warwick and I learned a little. There's something like an, an urgent care for seniors. That's <laughs> what I was looking for. It was right. con- well it's like a combination uh-huh. of urgent care, mm-hmm. hospital, primary care physician, all wrapped into one. Hey, Mayor, we're almost out of time. And so, um, I mean, I could ask you about uh, the registry. I could ask you about um, paving. I could ask you about uh, parking lots. I could ask you about tax bills. Uh, but I'm just going to give you a chance to either t- comment on any of those things or something different as we close out our interview. Sure. So um, tax bills, you should be receiving your tax bills soon. Good. Uh, very soon. And um Feel free to come to the Treasury to pay them. Uh, You can mail them, or also if you want to bring them but don't want to come in, we still have a drop box that's between the assessor's doors. And keep in mind, you will not be receiving your motor vehicle bill as of yet because we do have to wait for the legislature to uh, pass the FY21 budget. Once they do, and once we see where the motor vehicle phase-out sits, that will determine... um, you know what what the amount due you would owe on your motor vehicle bill and then those will those will go out so it is a little helpful that that happened in a sense because it it allows us to sort of stagger the amount of people that would be coming in because there are a lot of motor vehicle bills that go out and those will probably be going out more like august or september so well we hope anyway um so that's what's happening with that Um, I I do want to just give you the answer to this, um, going back to Oak Street Health, because I was looking to try to see how many square foot, how much square footage. It's approximately, it it says it's approximately 8,000 square feet. I'm not convinced that that is accurate, but that's the number I'll give you for now, and I'll confirm that um, even more so in the uh, future call. How's that? Um, But I will say this, I just want everyone to know that we're still working diligently with the Rhode Island Department of Environmental Management uh, and the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, the Planning Department, on the work that we're doing to try to clean up those blighted, contaminated sites on Sunnyside Avenue, the old Seville site, Dorado. Uh, Those are, the the remediation of that is very important to me. I feel it's, it's been... Uh, in a state that's unacceptable for too long, and that is not something that should be kicked down the road. Um, Sort of like the incinerator, how it just sat and sat and sat, nobody wanted to take that on, and now we have a beautiful location there. So same with this. We continue to work on this, and we're very um, pleased at the progress that we're making. I also want to congratulate the uh, police department on their um, reaccreditation uh, it took a lot of, you know, it's a lot of work, 
but it also gives some comfort uh, to the community to know that this study uh, took place and it, it came out favorable. So congratulations to them. And there's a lot of other things we could talk about, but I know it's 9 o'clock. Mayor, if, if Roger, if I may have an extra moment with the mayor, uh, you spoke about the police department. One of the things I was looking to see if you had a comment on was the tremendous work and the uh, raids that took place yesterday. An alarming number of firearms for four arrests, 16 firearms from crossbows, AK-47, handguns, shotguns, rifles, loaded around children. Uh, a large supply chain from Puerto Rico to Woonsocket on cocaine. Uh, just reminding us during the COVID and everything else going on there's real police work here to be done there, yes you're right and that there are times that we receive um what we get is like concerns or their concerns compliments suggestions and they come in through our website and when they come in through the website you know there are times that people will say and notify us that they feel there is a drug dealing happening in a certain location and when that happens you know Certainly the narcotic squad uh, takes that and they do what they need to do with it. But keeping in mind that when we're notified of this or when the department is notified of this, I should say the police department is notified of it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. They want to make certain that when there is somebody arrested in a situation such as this, that the work is done properly and it can and it can stick and and we, we're certain that we take these people off the street because drug dealing is is a serious problem across the across the world actually. So yes, um, uh, what what I want I, I if I can have a minute I do want to say something. Um, these concerns or complaints or compliments that come in, I know there are times that people want to be anonymous. I've received a couple of letters in the last week. Um, from folks who have concerns. They write beautiful letters to me, but they don't sign it. I, we cannot follow up with you. If you want a follow-up, we just cannot follow up with you to explain to you what the answer is to the question or the concern that you may have. And sometimes folks are thinking that, oh, my letter has gone unanswered because what I'm seeing is still happening. But that may not be the case. What we learned, we may be rectifying, or we may have learned that what is happening is actually done properly and is legal. But if you do not sign that, and I know people get worried about that, but we keep that highly confidential. We don't want issues between neighbors. You know, we, we don't want problems like that. So, but it is easy, even if you put a phone number, so we could just call you and explain to you um, what, what has uh, transpired. And can I just go to the intersection of Diamond Hill and um, Walnut Hill Walnut Road? Hill, yeah. uh, yes. So, uh, actually, Councilman Gendron had that, uh, brought that up at the council meeting on Monday night, and the director spoke to it uh, briefly. But what I just wanted to tell the public was that last week, oh, maybe midweek, uh, there was actually a meeting at that location, um, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It was about 90 degrees. I remember that. I wasn't there, but I know someone who was, and that was the, the, the chief of police. And he met with probably, there were probably eight people in attendance from the state of Rhode Island and also a transportation engineer. So when that last fatality took place, 
Uh, there were family members and friends who came out and said something needs to be done. And uh, with that, uh, there was a meeting um, last week, and they did review things, and uh, they are looking at it, and they want to, you know, work to see if there's something that can change there in order to make that section more safe. All right, we are out of time right now. Mayor. Uh, just want to ask a lot of work to be done before Election Day. Uh, assuming you and your opponent are all cleared this afternoon, should I start working on a forum for us? Certainly, but if you're going to work on a forum, just please be certain that you just check on the date before you solidify the date. If you could just give a courtesy call to make sure that that date works. Will do. Thank you, okay. Mayor, for being with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good day. See you later. Bye-bye. This has been WNRI's Upfront. Presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380 WNRI Woonsocket.